You are listening to the Remorseless Podcast. Hey guys, what's up? It's Beth Fisher. Welcome to episode number 22. I cannot believe it's 22. I always say that every time that I'm on here, but uh, when I was 22, I got married for the first time. So that's what the number 22 elicits right away to the top of my head. Uh, Today, you guys, it's not just me on here. Well, except that it is, but I'm being interviewed by one Dr. Francesca Abbey, who is the founder of Victory in Christ International Ministries. She's the host of the podcast and Roku show called Beyond Any Limit. That's actually the show that she had me on that you're going to listen to in just a few minutes. And she's also an author of a book called Victory in Christ, Living a Life That Has No Limits. So, you know, it's all about living this limitless life, isn't it? And oftentimes we get into this whole thing of, you know, yada, 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 that feels good, that feels good, and one more inspirational message. And I get it. Like sometimes I not only say that stuff, but I'm the recipient of either seeing that stuff or hearing it from somebody else. And like I'm over it. I just go, yeah, okay, well, today I don't really feel inspired. <laughs> But that's the human experience, isn't it? Up and down, left and right, detour and highs and lows and just all the crazy stuff that we each endure. So that's what I continue to show up and share with you guys on this journey, on this podcast is to just don't give up, right? Like, let's not quit. Even when we feel like it, I get it. It happens and it's okay. It's okay to just chill out, take a minute, hold some space but then show back up. And that is what happens every time that you're willing to do that. People like Dr. Francesca Abbey show up in your life. Like you guys, I didn't know her. She reached out and I thought, I have no idea who this woman is, but you will see the connection. Um, if you go to my my website, you can actually see the, the video of this, but hopefully you'll hear it here on the podcast as well. Just how enthused she is for other women. And like we're total strangers, right? Have never met in person, but that's the beauty of continuing to show up every day in your life is you just don't know what's around the corner. So speaking of, let's go, buckle up, hang tight, do whatever you need to do to just kind of like set yourself in a space that you're ready to to hear this and um, let's go. We're on episode number 22, you guys. Beth Fisher, we will be looking at identity, image and identity together. We'll be uh, asking questions and we will be going through some questions. And I know that Beth has a lot to share with us tonight. So I welcome everyone to another night of image and identity. And we have a special guest with us tonight. Her name is Beth Fisher. Hello, Beth. Good evening. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. It's such an honor to have you with us, you know. You know, it's such a blessing that God speaks to us about image and identity. And what an awesome joy that he gives you to us tonight. So so I say thank you, Jesus, for sending us Beth Fisher tonight to, to, to hear from the heart of the Lord uh, to us as we look at the topic of image and identity. So um, I know that some know, know you and some may not know you. So for those who don't know who you are, can you just share a little bit about yourself uh, for, for those who don't know you or who know who, who don't know who, what you're about? Yeah, sure. I love this part the most, you guys, because I think that often when we meet people, we always have this immediate assessment. 
and it's always wrong, which is my favorite part because God is a God of surprises and stories and he uses all of us to sort of connect and come together. So um, my quick story is I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I am a Midwest girl right now. I come to you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was born and raised in Ohio. I raised my daughter who's now 24 years old. I don't know where time goes. Um, I raised her in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan about four years ago. So I grew up in a very small town, a village of about 2,700 people. And I never necessarily felt like I fit in. I love school. I love to learn. I love to talk, as you will hear. And um, that that was not comfortable for many people. So I, I had a real struggle growing up with my identity. Um, and it wasn't until I really sort of had it out with God and said, Jesus, like, I, I need, I got some questions here. I'm a question asker all the time, um, but was always formerly afraid to ask those questions of God. So um, I went to college when I graduated, I married my daughter's dad. He left us when I was about 24 years old. Um, in the middle of that is when um, I said, okay, I will raise my baby girl who's not quite two years old and we'll get through this alone together. That's when I was diagnosed with cancer and told I was going to die. So I really, um, I grew up Catholic. So my Catholic that I was going to um, be punished for divorce. So it's just a, from that season of life, I um, began to unravel my understanding between the difference of religion and relationship, and then also um, continue to work. So I was in uh, corporate America for about 25 years and a year and a half ago, I left. I am now, um, I work at a homeless shelter. So we serve to um, demonstrate the compassion of Jesus Christ to anybody experiencing hunger and homelessness. So that is where I spend my days. I am also an author, a speaker, and a coach because I love all things encouraging people to be who they were created to be. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, I know that so much of what you shared, I know a lot of women can connect to different parts of what you, you just shared uh, tonight. But I, wanted, I just want to ask you a question that for that one who who knows that God is a great big God. And we know that God is a great big God. And, and, they, and they hear that God is good and God is kind and God is wonderful. And they're trying to make that connection between this great big God and how they may feel about themselves. They see this big, uh, and I like to use props a lot. So I'm gonna use this big old bottle and to say to that person who says, God is great and he's so huge, he's powerful. But then this same person, feel so small. Maybe they've gone through challenges. They've gone through, they've made mistakes. How, so how, how would you guide that person who, who, who knows God is great, who sees God is great, but they don't make that connection from a great God to how they feel about themselves. They may feel less than on the inside. Maybe they've made mistakes, but they're trying to connect with how they feel, feeling less than to this great big image that they have of God. Yes, I love that question because it is such a universal struggle. I think we all deal with that at some point in time over the course of our journey or another. And I think it all honestly starts from um, the very beginning in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, right? We, it's an issue of shame. It is an issue of, to your point, God is so big and who am I in comparison? I am so small, but yet I have made these mistakes and these decisions and, and cause this gap between myself and the Lord in this relationship. And so it leaves us feeling a sense of emptiness. And again, this guilt and shame that we have to hide. That's what really we end up thinking that we have to do. We have to hide. And therefore in the hiding, we begin to put on a false identity so that we, in my case, I struggled with performance-based acceptance. I thought, well, I'm hiding from all of my guilt and shame from my bad choices. So maybe if I just work really, really hard God will forgive me finally, and I will be good enough. I will be big enough. I will be equal in his eyes. But the thing is, God is always God. 
and he created us all the way through Genesis to Revelation. It's woven in only to be with us. And that in and of itself is good enough. We are good enough always. Amen. Amen. I'm loving your answers. <laughs> so I have another question. It's a follow-up to that. You know, the Bible lets us know John 3, 16, my favorite verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anyone who believes this message, that Jesus loves me and he died for me, and anyone who believes this message can receive this gift of eternal life. And the Bible tells me that God gives this beautiful gift, and I like to use props when I teach. And the Bible tells me that this gift has no strings attached. It's free. It's free, right? And the Bible tells me God gives me this gift to receive. But here's my question for you. And I'm asking this question for that woman or that man or that young boy who has a, who has a history of going through relationships where they had to earn the love, right? And, and engaging the love. They never really experienced, or even from their mother or father, where they really can have this free gift, right? Because the Bible lets us know in John 3, 16, it's a, it's a free gift, right? God gives us this precious gift, right? And this precious gift is Jesus. So how do you explain it? And and, and I know that the gospel is such a beautiful message. And the, the, the gospel frames right, our relationship with God. And our first, um, our, the, the, the premise, right, from the, from the relationship we have with others should start from that which we have from God. But you may have this person who's still struggling, saying that how can this gift be so free? It doesn't make any sense. I wasn't raised meeting people who didn't make me have to earn it. I, 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 I have not met people who have just let me be. How do, how do you unpack that? To, to anyone as they begin to know and experience this love of God that's that's free. Yes, yes. And I uh, love this question as well because it's such a difficult unraveling. And that's really what it is because what we do is we take our earthly relationships, which very oftentimes are transactional, right? If you do this for me, then I will love you. If you make me feel good about myself, then I will be kind to you. If this, then that. And so oftentimes we are so conditioned here in the world to take those transactional relationships into our relationship with God that we don't quite understand it's not the same because God is not the same, right? He transcends all of that. Our God is not a transactional God. He is a God of constant, unconditional love, unwavering love, no matter what we do, right? He wants us to come back to him at all times, always. We are always welcome. However, again, when all we know right now, what we can see with our eyes and hear with our ears and just be in every single day on earth is so very different than that message. It's hard for us to make that correlation because we're so used to only feeling loved if. That's not the case with God. We are loved always. So I, I explain it in that way that God is not a transactional God. He does not expect anything in return. He doesn't, he only wants to be with us. Again, very different than what we're used to here. And I've been divorced twice. I've had people leave me. I've, I've had abandonment issues. I've had situations where I thought I wasn't good enough. If I would have just done this, then he would have loved me more. He would not have left. It's not about us. It's not about we are not enough. It's that that relationship had underlying trust issues and many, many other issues. But that is not the relationship that we have with our Lord. You know, one of the special things when... Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says, if any man, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have been passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. So when a man comes to Christ, the Bible tells me that this man has a brand new life, a brand new life. So my next question to you is this. For that man or that woman who's gone through a divorce, right, and they come into Christ, and and, and the Bible tells them in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that one, they're brand new, that their past never does not exist, that God literally, <laughs> their past is under the blood of Jesus, right? That God gives them a, a brand new life in Christ. So what do you say to this person who comes into Christ and, uh, and, and still has the thoughts of, you know, I've, I've done this, I've had this, I, I, I may have failed at this, I may have failed at this relationship, I may have failed at this, and they're, and they're coming into this brand new relationship, right? And, the, and they're looking at 2 Corinthians 5.17, and they're trying to make the connection between the Bible saying in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, he really is a brand new person. But then this person who is walking through the Christian uh, walk is dealing with how they feel. And, and they're saying the, the way they feel feels so real, the, the sense of guilt, the sense of shame. What do you say to that person who, who feels shame, who feels guilt, but they're looking at the scriptures and they're saying, how do I take what the Bible says and make it mine in spite of all the feelings? Yes, I would say there's a definite, um, I call it slaying shame. And really what that means is in that example in 2 Corinthians is talking about for anyone, right? Anyone, the person is made new. It doesn't say that the decisions of the past, the sins of the past. And so there's a very big difference between the mistakes that we have made, the choices that we have made before we knew better, right? Maya Angelou, one of my favorite of all time said, those who know better do better. Before we actually knew better, we were making decisions based on our old ways. And the Bible doesn't say that when we are made new, so are our decisions, right? So therefore we're not condemned. We have so much self-condemnation and we equate that to ourselves, our beings, our spirits. That's not the case. Our decisions are not who we are. There is no shame in who we are as a human being because that essentially is saying, Lord, you made me and I'm, I'm ashamed of your being, of your creation. No, there was no mistakes. There are no mistakes when God creates us with purpose and intention and spirit beings. We are spiritual beings having a very human experience and human experience is hard work, my friends. It is like hard stuff every single day, things that can go awry. And so when we stay stuck in that self-condemnation because man, we messed up last week, then what does that mean for our new creation? How do we get to our new creation if we're stuck back here? We can't get there. So I just look at King David and I think, man, you know, if he messed up in that kind of capacity, right? He had the whole Mediterranean. He had all of these things, it, everything that we think we want, all the material things in life. He had it going on. But when he messed up in a myriad of ways, in big time ways, he laid down in the street in sackcloth and said, God, don't leave me. I'm sorry. I am sorry. So when we can come to the Lord and say, please don't hate me. Please don't be angry with me but please help me to understand that it's my decision and my sin and we are separate. That is what I tell people. You are not in some parts of your decisions. You are you, you're a spiritual being. So then to that sister who, oh brother, brother or sister, right? Who 
has been going through this journey and they're still at the same place. They feel stuck. They've, uh, they've done everything that you've just said. Or they believe they've done everything that you, you've just said. They believe they're reading their Bible. They're going to church. They're memorizing all of the verses. They believe that they're showing up and giving and, 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 and sowing and giving their tithe at church. And they're doing all of the things that they know to do, but they don't feel as if they're getting anywhere. They feel stuck. How do you help them? Because the, the truth is, the Bible lets us know that in Christ, right, everything is done, right? He came to give us a new life. But this person says, that's not my reality. How do I get from this place where I'm doing everything, everything I know to do, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't look like Christ. I don't have the joy of Christ. I don't have the peace of Christ. I don't have the prosperity that the Lord has, has provided for me. How, how do I go from all the things that the Bible says belong to me and how I feel right now stuck? This might sound counterintuitive or this might not be the great answer that everybody would expect. I tell people to just do the next right thing for someone else. That is really what I, I coach people to do when we are feeling so lost, so empty, so conflicted, even though to your point, we're doing all the things that we think we should be doing. If there's a point where you just can't reconcile the emptiness, the loneliness inside, the fastest way that I know to get out of that is to go help somebody else, somebody else, another brother, and sister, somebody who is hurting, somebody who is in a homeless shelter, somebody who is on the street, somebody who is orphaned or widowed, somebody who needs, you know, needs tangible help. If you can get outside of yourself and your thoughts and you can fill up the life, even for a moment for somebody else, you instantly feel less lonely yourself and you feel like, wow, okay. I'm worth something because this person sees value and I have poured into, I've shown the love of Christ. Two rules, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else hangs on that. The everything else is everything else that's within us making us feel empty. If we're doing for each other, I promise you guys, that is the fastest way to start to heal internally and just doing the next right thing in that moment will carry you through. Amen. Did I tell you I love you, Beth? <laughs> questions for you because you're just giving it to us so great tonight so you have a, a brother or sister who has served the lord done everything they know to do in your marriage they've just given up themselves in their marriage but guess what unfortunately they have a failed relationship when i say failed they have a spouse who um who steps out on them who uh who cheats on them and you have this person, it could be a, a brother or a sister who's struggling with that and, and feeling that this, um, this spouse who has uh, broken a trust uh, has really uh, spun my world around. How do you help this person navigate from uh, this place of distrust, this place of anger, this place of unforgiveness to this place where they feel whole again? How do you help that brother or sister deal with that moment, that challenge of unforgiveness and really feeling as if that this brokenness has really brought them to a place of being stuck? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've dealt with this frequently in my life with people very close to me. 
And uh, the first thing I would just encourage you with in those situations is to remember it is not about you. It's not because of your worth. You didn't do anything wrong. You, it, you couldn't have done more for this person to not have done that step, you know, to have an affair or stepped out. This has got nothing to do with you and everything to do with them and their brokenness. But what we do is we, we like to say, if only I was prettier or smarter or had been better, shown up in a different way. None of that is true. Those are the lies that get in our head. That's the wrong narrative that I talked about. That's the enemy trying to convict us that our identities are worthless. And that's not the case. So once we say to ourselves, okay, I can't change it. It happened. I didn't cause it. I'm not responsible for it. What I am responsible for is how I respond to it. And I truly believe there are two choices that there's no timetable. Again, this is very different for every person, but I do believe that if you make the choice to forgive, then you move forward and you have to forgive as in it's not brought up in conversation. It is not held over somebody's head. It is I've done the work internally on me, presumably your partner's done the work um, to make that reparation. So if you choose to forgive, then you choose to moving forward and it's done east, west, almost like the psalmist said, right? Um, yep. But, but if you choose to leave, that's a, that's another option as well. And, you know, I've heard people, when I went through my divorce, people try in the church said to me, well, you might be able to argue second Corinthians. My husband didn't step out, nor did I, he just left. He had his own crisis and left me, he didn't want to be married anymore. For a year I tried, I went to the church and I said, what do I do? This is wrong. I don't want to be sinning against God. I, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. And the pastoral care person said, well, you can argue second Corinthians. And I thought, argue with whom? I'm argued out. I'm in the middle of divorce. I got nothing more to say. Um, and he wouldn't come home. And he said, well, if an unbeliever leaves, let him leave. And then I thought, well, now this feels very slippery slopish to me because how do we know? I believe he was a believer. I'm not going to go down a path of trying to make myself feel better using God's word against somebody else. That's not the point of scripture. The point is to uplift each other. The point is to pour into people. The point is to say the Holy Spirit is in us and we have power and love and spirits that are not timid. So, so if we show up in those moments and realize that we've done everything we can do, we're not broken beyond this situation. We're not broken because of this situation. We will rise again from the ashes and we're going to learn something from this and we will turn into stronger people on the other side, closer to the people that God created us to be. I have two more questions for you, two more, and then we'll pray for people at the end. But I'm going to, before I ask the question, I'm going to do my prompts, right? So you have the sister, a brother, who has this tendency to have a lot of things that they have that make them feel better, right? So you have this one who has a, their job, right? And you have this one who has a great big, nice car, right? I'm, gonna, I'm hoping all of these things stay connected to me. And, they, and, they're, and they're carrying all these crazy things all over. And they're wondering why is their life all messed up? And, they're, and they have their jobs and their cars and their all these labels and you know their relationships and they're trying to have all these labels. And they're like, why do I feel so crazy? And why does my life feel so? How do you help this person? You know, and I'm literally trying to do a crazy little thing. So you, you see what I'm trying to visualize. They have their job and they have their labels and they have all of these things that they have layered over their lives. 
and they're wondering why don't they have peace? And I want you to keep the visual of the image I just gave you, right? They have their jobs and they have their cars and their titles. And they're saying, I still don't have peace. How do you help them make connection with all of the things that they're putting on themselves, right? Keeping them from coming to a place of wholeness in Christ. Yeah, so Jesus says, follow me, right? Take up your cross and follow me. Get rid of, remember all, all of the stories in scripture, right? From Abraham, leave, leave your country, leave your people, leave and come follow me. Don't bring your stuff, don't pack your bags, just come as you are. And so for me, in that example you just did with your props, I'd be like, first of all, aren't you, aren't you tired? That's a lot of weight to be carrying on you. Like you gotta be wiped out over there. How can you show up and be joyful if you're so heavy, you're so heavy laden? There's no way to do that. And, and then the question obviously is without those things, who are you? Because those things go away, right? Those things fade, our, our exterior looks fade, our, our material things go away. What happens if a, a house is consumed by a fire? Who are you then? I've seen it so many times in the lives of women who my mother-in-law is one of them, who, who pour their lives into their children. And then when the children become adults, which we know happens, you know, by the grace of God, if people are living into later years, eventually they are on their own. If we're doing our jobs well, we've equipped them to live in the world independently um, with self-worth. And when that happens, if the mothers have only poured into them and they don't know their identity outside of that one role, that one label, that one job, that one position in the world, they struggle. Who are they? So if you were living joyfully in every area of your life, and what I mean by that is authentically, whether you're at work or with your girlfriends or with your spouse, no matter where you are, are you wearing your true self always? And if you are, that is a much easier journey to go forward in than having to shed something that you've been putting on and carrying. Cause then you kind of get confused. Like, I don't know which one of these I got to get rid of. It's too many to keep up with, you know? So by being real, by being you and authentic in any situation that will help you traverse those transitional seasons of life. Awesome. 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 So I have one last thing I'm going to ask of you. I want you to look straight into the camera and speak to that young girl or that young boy who still says, I hear all that you said to me tonight, Beth. I hear all the things you, you've said to me. And, and I, I know that it's real, but I'm just not able to connect. I want you to look into the camera uh, to those who are watching <laughs> you tonight on TV. Uh, I want you to look straight into the camera um, and speak to that person's heart. And I would say to you, don't give up. Don't ever, ever, ever give up because there are people who have felt exactly like you're feeling. Everybody here is one of those people. And we didn't know the things that you feel like you don't know now, but find somebody that you can speak to and that will share with you and say, this has been my experience and I promise you it gets better. Life is hard. It's never meant to be easy, but we're also never meant to go it alone. We are in community. We are here for a reason with purpose. And there are people who love you and care about you and know your worth and value here around you, but no one more so than God. And so if you just reach out and listen to those stories of people who have gone on ahead of you and say, wow, I believe that maybe this is going to get better because I promise you it's going to. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much, Beth. It's been a blessing 
having you <laughs> share and speak to us tonight. Uh, it's been such a blessing. I say to you that you were my friend before, you're now you're my sister, my friend. It's just such an honor and a joy to have you uh, with us tonight. All right, guys. Thank you. That's a wrap. What'd you think of that whole interview, right? Dr. Uh, I call her Frankie because I like nicknames. I don't know if she likes it, but she's now Frankie to me after our talk and our time together. Um, but I, I hope you got a lot out of that. She's just this woman on fire for other women, which you guys know I'm a sucker for, right? And it's all about, you know what? Life is tough. The struggle is super real in the human existence, but we're in it together. Don't ever forget that, you guys. We're, we are in this thing together. So speaking of which, thanks for spending some time here with me. Thank you for continuing to be here. Thank you to all of you who keep sending me messages and uh, feedback. You know, I this is a lot of work, but I am happy to do it as long as you guys keep showing up. So I appreciate you. Thank you for subscribing. Please share this with your friends. Please go to my website and uh, sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already, because I am... Um, Fingers crossed, um, submitting a book proposal in the next, I don't know, a couple months to an actual agent. So he says to me, I need a lot of people signed up on the newsletter. So please do that if you haven't already, bethfisher.com. And again, keep being remorseless, which means without guilt, in spite of wrongdoing. All right, guys, thanks. I'll see you next week.